everyone, and welcome back into Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We are joined by a very special guest today. We have the playwright Joshua Piper, mm-hmm. whose latest work, Place of Departure or the Airport Play, just finished its run at the Fresh Fruit Festival here in New York. We are so excited to learn more about this work and honored to have Joshua with us today on our show. So Joshua, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to learn more about your show and and what else you've got going on. It was wonderful to connect with you on Instagram. I'm so happy that you were at the Fresh Fruit Festival, and I'm sure which was a huge success, with this great show, Place of Departure or the Airport Play. So why don't you tell us a little bit about this show? The whole play, the, the log line, as I always say it, is man A meets man B in an airport. They fall in love and fall out of love. And through the use of awful Jennifer Coolidge accents and jokes about Kim's convenience and other, you know, K-dramas and stuff like that, we see their relationship come together and eventually fall apart as they go opposite ways. Um, But yeah, that's sort of just a general idea. I love that. Who doesn't love Jennifer Coolidge and Kim's convenience? Oh, I, uh, yeah, no, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of Kim's convenience, but, but yeah, no, I, um. I've been I've been holding that Jennifer Coolidge accent in my back pocket for a really long time. So it was nice to like use it every once in a while. Now, then I have to follow that up with when were you actually in the show or did you just do the writing of it? I was in the show. I played a man B and then my friend Riku played a man A and it was just a really fun time. So how did you come up with the idea for the show? Oh, honestly, it started as just like I'm not a journaler. And so. Uh, my freshman year, I was sort of sitting down. I was dealing with some emotional stuff going on. And I was like, I'm not a journaler. That doesn't help me. Like, what can I do to just help process some emotions? And so I just started writing a play. And uh, one place to be is, surprise, surprise, the airport. And I just liked the setting. And I just started writing this conversation between two people. And eventually it became this conversation between these two guys who both were Asian and both were gay and just sort of like it just sort of transformed from there and it and you know I feel like whenever you write a a play sort of like you know zoo story uh, waiting for Godot short like anything where it's just you know two people talking for a really long time it's one of those things where you can sort of let the conversation take you and so I just sort of sat down and I let the conversation go where it went. And then after a while, I was like, okay, we're going to cut this and we'll add this and we'll just go from there. That's amazing. So what has it been like developing this show and putting it on its feet? Oh, it's been absolutely crazy. So I wrote it my freshman year and then obviously it's gone through, I don't know, 12 drafts, probably 13, but I got the wonderful opportunity to workshop it here on campus as a part of Wagner College's Black Box Theater season. And that was just one of the most magical experiences of my life. And the thing about Place of Departure is it's a part of a trilogy of plays called The Vehicles That Brought Me Here. And so the whole trilogy was presented. And I don't know, it's just really cool to see how this story fit into three plays. And going into this festival is really cool to see how, you know, it fit outside of these plays and does this play still stand on its own whenever it doesn't have the other two shows with it and 
how can I get across the same point I'm trying to get across with two and a half hours within 75 minutes. But it's been really great. I've had some really great people work on it. And I don't know, when you get the opportunity to work with people who are just so incredible and so amazing and just are on your wavelength, some beautiful things just start happening. I remember like on Monday, we were in tech and there's a line that I say about how the the recent movie with Simu Lu, the Marvel movie, Shang-Chi. I had some complicated feelings about that because I was like, you gave an Asian actor the mastery of Asian martial arts as their superpower. And there's a line that's like, I just think it's kind of stupid that that's his superpower. And Riku's on, who was on, Riku, who was on stage with me, goes, oh yeah, we already have Bruce Lee and he was real. Like, that was a real person. And I bust out laughing because is it like the most... <laughs> amazing joke in this day and age no does it show some of the fact that like the film industry and theater industry is like still working on focusing on other rep uh like on representation in general absolutely but there was something so honest about it in the sense of like even these steps we're making forward can sometimes feel like steps back Mm -hmm. and so like it was fun because there'd be moments like that where because Riku and I are both come from a certain community and we come from a certain group of people, we were able to play off of each other and just create new bits on the spot. And so there'd be times where we'd be like, oh, this is really funny. Sure, let's put that in there. Let's see what it's like if we do this, how the audience will interact with that bit. And it felt very safe because I was with someone who, I was, I was with a bunch of people who, even if they weren't Asian or they weren't gay, we were in this sort of bubble of safety of like, every idea is a good idea and if we don't like a bit or we don't like a certain page we can talk about it and I think that's just not something I've experienced in other rooms just and this may be because I'm in college and you know I'm still navigating that world but it's very cool to have people in the room who understood the references that I was having and you know understood like our stage manager is also from Texas and I'm from Texas and Obviously, I had to put some kind of semblance of Texas in there. And so when she would get a joke about, you know, Whataburger or like the heat or like the amount of times I say y'all in that show, like it it was nice because no matter what, there was someone in the room who understood what I was trying to say. And I think that's just really rare. And so that's like an experience I'll carry with me for the rest of my life, just as a little like moment of just like pure joy, I guess. Oh, that's so awesome. So what is the message or thought you're hoping the audiences will take away from the show? I think the main one is we lose so much track of time when we talk to someone we really like talking to. And like, isn't that crazy? Like, isn't that so awesome to be in a world where you can talk to someone in like five hours past and you feel like it's been two minutes? And I feel like sometimes we lose that. And I think the other message I'd like to get across is that in terms of representation, that me being gay me being a gay man and being Christian, having two intersecting identities that on the face of it do not, like clash. Being able to say like, hey, no, like this is, this is something that can happen. You can be religious and you can be a part of the queer community and you can be accepted there. And then in terms of just Asian representation, just I'd really like to make the point that I'm so glad we're making the steps we're making but these are steps that weren't taken way sooner. You know, like I, I, I talk about this in the show, but like 
we live in a world where an Asian, Asian woman gets pushed onto the subway tracks and a man gets told, an old man gets told to fuck off because he's not Bruce Lee. And then he gets elbowed in the chest and, you know, like then Atlanta murders happen and all this stuff happens in our world. And it feels like sometimes there's no hope. And I think the, the great thing in finding some kind of like, not humor, but the place you can find solace is the fact that there are other people who get it. And that was what I found in this place. You know, the solace that there are other people who understand that when I say I'm scared that my my harmony, my grandmother might be beaten in Texas or, you know, I know there is someone out there who understands that because it's very easy to feel alone. And I think that's the I feel like every show you could make the argument is like the message is like, you're not alone. But I think in terms of representation, I'd say like the message I'd want to be is like, there's someone out there who gets it and wants to be there. And as maybe as maybe as sick as it is, y'all can have a laugh about it or a cry or a talk. And sometimes that's enough to remind yourself that there is hope for this crazy, crazy world. But it will come, the message will come through much stronger because it's a message for a community Mm -hmm. being told by a person of that community and written by a person of that community. And I think that's been the thing missing for the longest time. So my last question in this first part of the interview is, who do you hope have access to your show? Anyone. Like, I'm I'm very much of the belief that, like, at some point, Broadway gets expensive and I would much rather, like... I'm much happier as a person and an artist an artist to say, here are, you know, like I got a discount for all the students at my school because I was like, I was like, I know we're all college students. I know it's expensive. I know it's hard to just go see theater. You know, here's, tw- you just have to pay $12. That's like, that's, I can bring it down to that because I want everyone to be able to come see it. I want everyone to be able to experience theater and experience my writing and experience the art that I'm trying to make. Because I think when we get to a point and, and look, the Broadway, Broadway inaccessibility problem is a whole other issue. And I know like personally, I'd love to have a show on Broadway at some point. That'd be amazing. But that doesn't take away from that issue. But all that to say is, you know, I'd hope everyone gets to see it. I'd hope, you know, like uh, I took videos of the workshop because I knew my friends in Texas wouldn't be able to get to see it. And they were like, we want to see this show. Like we understand this like sort of idea of homophobia that you experience in a Texas high school or, or the, the, the microaggressions that happen. And so I'd hope that I could get this to as many people as possible. And even if I don't, I think just the fact that someone can create art is important. Like, that's something I have to remind myself a lot is, you know, I created art and at some point, even one person watched it and felt seen or heard or, or felt changed in the, even the most minute way, then I've done my job as an artist. I've done what I could do. And it just means that, you know, the next time, if I get lucky enough to do the airport play again, and I get to return to that hopefully more people get to see it and hopefully people will feel changed and hopefully they will feel inspired. And, and just because I'm a bit selfish, I hope some, some queer people and some Asian people come and see it because that is, that is like the play, while the play is like 
for them in quotes, but I just think they'll get a lot of the references and some of the jokes that may have flown over some other people's heads. But I think I give a lot of people good TV show recommendations in the process. So that's a win. change things up for the second part of the interview let our listeners get to know you a little bit better absolutely i want to start by asking what inspires you what playwrights composers or shows inspire you or some of your favorites i've got a few playwrights that really inspire me the first one is he's actually a family friend his name's che yu he's directing light in the piazza at city center go see that go see that show ruthie ann miles like it's it's Asian people on stage, and that's all I've ever wanted. Go see it, but it'll be this summer, and he's absolutely incredible. He sent me his plays. He he He's written a bunch, but he sent me two of his plays, Porcelain and A Language of Their Own, and mm-hmm. an anthology of Asian works. And he like wrote notes for me inside, which was the sweetest thing. I'll be forever grateful for that. But one of my favorite plays of his is this play called Wonderland, and I, I read that play and I just find myself in it and I find the kind of work I'd like to write because it's about this Korean family who's immigrated to America and the son is this gay kid who wants to be an actor and his family's ultra religious, ultra Christian. And that tends to be, at least that exists in my, my half of my like Asian family. I'm half Korean, half white, to be clear. <laughs> and the Korean half of my family very like very religious very christian same thing with my the like white half of my family but it's it's very it's a very different culture in terms of how religion is treated on both sides but i just found myself in that play of like this kid who is struggling with trying to understand his sexuality and is just you know going through it and dealing with his parents finding out which is the scariest thing on earth and then uh, i'd say like other people who inspire me, um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Yeah, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Fleabag, she's incredible. I think she has some of the best ideas showing people comedy and then, you know, they open their heart to you and then it's like hitting them in the chest with something really upsetting. I think that's there's a difference between what she writes in shock theater, whereas it's like, I'm just here to shock you and like make your mouth drop. I think the mouth drops because you've opened up your heart to the work she provides. And then I'd say the last one is Ned Rorum. He was a composer in the 50s and he wrote diaries about his like trips in New York and trips in Paris. And he just writes some of the craziest stuff, like some of the most like intrusive thoughts. And so uh, if you get the chance, go find the Paris and New York diaries, go read any of Cheyu's plays, watch Fleabag. If you haven't watched Fleabag, like go watch Fleabag. You need to. It's required, required watching. <laughs> it's on Amazon Prime. <laughs> and yeah, I'd say those are like a few of the people who really inspire me currently, but uh, I could go on for days about people who inspire me. There are so many forms of art that just inspire me daily yeah i love all that that's a great list to have now have you seen any great theater lately you might be able to recommend to our listeners oh absolutely i've seen so much great theater lately i've seen a couple plays at 59 e 59 oh my god peerless one boom amazing i know y'all covered some of these shows off peak i thought off peak was one of the most charming shows i've ever seen 
you know, another two-hander. I love a good two-hander. I think it's so cute to just have a full character study. Shedding Load, absolutely incredible. I actually met one of the actresses after. Her name's Robin. She played the the matriarch of the whole family. And she she's just the nicest person ever. Um, if Robin's listening to this, hey, Robin, you're amazing. Yeah, those are like the three place that come to mind from that theater I'd also say I'll do a little self-promo for Wagner College Theater just because we're doing the prom right now a lot of my friends are in it if you can come see the prom this weekend come see the prom they're amazing it's one of it's the prom is just one of those shows that like you can have fun at and cry and laugh and all that and then I'll say like theater I'm excited to see I really want to see Prima Facie Prima Facie I believe that's how it's pronounced with Jodie Cormer She's from Killing Eve, written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, so you can see the, the thought process there. But I read the script, and I just think that is one of the most, like, there are, there are very few one-person shows that I can look at and just not get bored at. I feel like, and, and I don't say, like, bored as in, like, I, you know, I, I don't like watching the performer. I always like watching the performer. It's just after a while of watching one person on stage for an hour, I get there and I'm like, oh, geez, is there going to be someone else who enters or? Okay. <laughs> and I think the script is just written in a way that is just genius. Like, and, and I think Jodie Cormer is, is one of the most exceptional performers of our time. I think she just has a she can just switch on a dime. It's insane. If you watch her in Killing Eve, she just, she plays a, she plays a psychopath on that show. And like, I'm terrified. If I met her, I'd be terrified. I'd be like, are you going to kill me? Like, <laughs> Am I going to survive this encounter? But I don't know. I'm just very excited to see that. I'm going to try and catch it soon before I head back home to Texas for the summer. But I'm absolutely thrilled that it came to Broadway. I was following it from the West End and as soon as the scripts got to the drama bookshop, I was like, purchase. I was like, here's my money, take it. But yeah, that's that's what I'm really excited to see. Love it. What is your favorite part about working in the theater? The best part about working in the theater is theater can mean everything. And it means everything personally to me. That's a blanket statement, I know, but creating theater and what theater and the best part of theater and being in the theater is, uh, but not limited to, Creating an escape, finding a space to represent those who, who aren't always represented it, represented. It lives for a moment and it's gone the next. It's the words on the page. It's, it's the friends we make in the room. It's the community we build. It teaches us how to love. It brings us home. It is an infinite amount of things. And I'd say we're pretty lucky to have found something like that. I know this is, this is a very dramatic statement, <laughs> but I feel like when you ask someone in the theater, what does theater mean to you? Or what's the best part about working in a theater? I think you know, I'm a playwright actor, you're going to get a dramatic answer. But yeah, I'd say the best part of working in the theater is that it can mean everything and it can mean nothing at the same time. And it's just an infinite amount of things. And theater can mean so much and it can mean so much to you and it can mean so much to the audience. And there's something ephemeral about it. And to be able to connect with someone on a nightly basis, someone completely different, and maybe y'all come from different, completely different places in your life you can still connect. Like whenever I was doing the Fresh Fruit Festival, there was someone in the audience much older, but there's a joke I make because it's like, oh, what are you majoring in? And I'm like, musical theater. And like the whole joke being like, every time I feel like I've said I'm a musical theater to major to anyone in my family, they're like, are you sure that's what you want to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I'm sure because you know, it's what I want to do. It's what I love. Like theater is my passion. And this, this older man just 
laughed for a minute and it reminded me, I was like, oh yeah, like this is, this is something that so many people are going to understand. So, like, this is a joke that I really thought only like teenagers and, you know, 20 years, year olds like me would understand whenever they, you know, ask their parents to be an actor. And I was like, no, this is just a universal experience of like going to your parents. It's, it's like coming out in a way. It's like, mom, dad, I know you might not like this, but, but I promise like everything's going to be okay, but I want to be an actor. Like, no. <laughs> like <laughs> I feel like, I feel like coming out to my parents was <laughs> easier than telling my extended family I wanted to be an actor. <laughs> like, but yeah, I think that's the best part is you get to, you get to connect with people. And that is the most beautiful thing about life in general is getting to connect with people on a daily basis. Absolutely. Yeah. What a beautiful answer. And that leads me to my favorite question to ask guests, which is, what is your favorite theater memory? Oh, God. Oh, this is hard. I'll give two. The stage manager for Place of Departure or the airport play, as well as she was a stage manager also for the whole trilogy of plays we did at Wagner. She gave me an airport. uh, She gave gave me an airport, uh, an airplane charm. Great. An airplane charm that goes on my keychain and there was just something about that that was so special i was like oh this is real like people are like we are doing this play like we are doing these plays and that's incredible because who would think i mean i wouldn't have thought if you had told me in high school that i was gonna like do something in the city and write my own play i would have said hi you are joking i'm gonna be a doctor i don't know it's just this symbol of like wow world has taken this the, the world has taken this crazy turn for me and that's insane and I'm so blessed to be on this journey. And then I'd say the other one is my dad was an actor in high school <laughs> and he's definitely my biggest fan, but he's also my biggest critic. And my first college show, he goes, you know, I think your character just cursed too much. Like, I don't think your character needed to curse that much. And I was like, great. Anything else? And he was like, no. And I was like, okay. But when I was a sophomore in high school, I did this play called The Diviners. And it's this beautiful play about this young preacher who is like kind of giving it, giving it up. And he's come to this town and he meets this boy named Buddy. And Buddy has not taken a bath in like years because his mother drowned. And so everyone's like encouraging this preacher to like baptize this child. And he's like, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't think that's what I should be doing. I was like, he's like yeah like sure I'll try and get the kid to bathe but I don't this is not a religious thing to me this is I'm trying to help this kid who doesn't really have anyone in this world and I'm not going to say what happens at the end go read the diviners it's a beautiful 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 play but at the end of the show my dad had to leave a bit early after bows and he texted me and I like I saved this text but he basically said that was one of the most beautiful things I've ever gotten to see. I'm so extremely proud of you. You created an environment where that, where I felt like you had so much love for that child. And to watch you, to watch you do those, those last 10 minutes of the play, which are, it's a marathon. To do those last 10 minutes of the play and watch you do that was one of the most heartbreaking and heart-fulfilling things I've ever had the pleasure of seeing as a father. And so... Like that is something I'll take with me to my grave. Honestly, that compliment will mean more to me than any criticism I could get from the New York Times. If I ever get criticism from the New York Times in the sense of I have a show that they actually come to. <laughs> we'll cross our fingers on that one. But 
in the case that they hate a play that I wrote, we'll see. But <laughs> in the case that they hated the play that I wrote, it, it wouldn't matter as much because, you know, as an artist, the the opinions that really matter the most to me are the people who who really love me and really care. And I think that's something that we can all take with us as artists is if you are proud of the work you're doing and if you're proud of the art you create, then you've done everything you can do. And and you, you can, of course, like buy into criticism and, you know, do all that. But at the end of the day, the day like, I find my to be I find myself to be a happier person when I just remind myself that I love what I write and I love the the acting that I do on stage. And if I love it and you know the people I love love it as well, then I think I'm doing something right. Amen. Yeah. Say it again for the people in the back. <laughs> Absolutely. Those were two amazing memories, especially the one with your dad. Thank you so yeah. much for sharing those. Of course. Anytime. <laughs> Now, are there any other productions or projects you have coming up that we might be able to plug? I know before Absolutely. we started, you mentioned there's a couple other yeah. shows coming up. Yeah. So uh, a play I wrote called Cafe Americano is being produced at the New York Theater Festival this summer. Our shows are May 18th, May 20th, and May 21st. The cast includes me and a couple other kids from Reiner and a couple of uh, students from Pace. And it's directed by a Pace major. The stage management team is from Pace. And I don't know, I've been walking into that room and every time like we all walk out in tears and it's just one of those magical experiences of like wow like this is a piece that really means something and so if you get anyone has the uh, ability to come see that show come see the show it's i'll give like a little log line but the play is about a young playwright screenwriter actor who's been very successful in new york and he has moved to paris to mourn the death of his husband who died very 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 prematurely and he's trying to write his next big play on the other side of the play there's a barista from san francisco and she is trying to juggle her two jobs as well as a husband and her overbearing mother and this play is about how these two people are intrinsically connected to each other and intrinsically find each other and lose each other again that sounds fantastic um, but yeah, if y'all can come see it, come see it. And and then for the other people, Riku, my co-star in Place of Departure, he's in the prom. Come see him in the prom. The assistant director, Alexa, she's in the prom as well. And then the stage manager of Place of Departure is the assistant stage manager for the prom. So come see the prom. And then the director, Sammy O'Neill, who is absolutely one of my favorite people on earth. She is going to be doing the Disney College program for a bit. She's just trying to make some money before she tries to move to New York and she's going to, you know... Trying to do the directing thing, acting thing, all that. But yeah, if you can just like support anyone from Wagner College or from Pace, like go do that. Oh, also Cafe Americano is directed by Jason, Jason Cahillane. I probably mispronounced his last name. I'm so sorry, Jason. I love you so much. But yeah, he's absolutely incredible. I literally look forward to Saturday rehearsals so much. And yeah. Amazing. Well, finally, if our listeners want to get more information about place of departure, any of your other works, maybe they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do that? Absolutely. My Instagram is joshua.t.piper, T T for Taylor. And then my email, because I'm using my school email right now, is joshua.t.piper at wagner.edu if you want to email me. But I'm also on New Play Exchange. You can find a lot of my work there. And yeah. Well, Joshua, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Thank you. And share this incredible work. 
and and just yourself with with me and, and our amazing audience we really appreciate it so thank you so much i appreciate it thank you so much thanks for having me my guest today has been the playwright joshua piper whose newest work place of departure or the airport play just finished playing at the fresh fruit festival he has another work cafe americano coming up at the new york theater festival later this month you can check out all the information about that and all of his other works by following him on instagram at joshua.t.piper or you can also email him at joshua.t.piper at wagner.edu. You can find his works as well in the new play exchange. And I highly encourage you to go check out his works and read them. Fabulous, fabulous shows and a great place to read new plays as well. Oh, yeah. In the meantime, make sure that you get the chance to see Place of Departure if you ever get the chance or Cafe Americano here in New York coming up starting May 18th. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.